You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, how are you doing, my fine friend? I am good. How are you? I am absolutely pumped. we got a preseason game this week. Holy yeah. cow. That's exciting. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a preseason game. You know, you always think about, they're not great football most of the time. And yet, uh, after missing it for a year, I'm I'm more pumped than usual. And I usually am excited for the first one, but I'm more pumped than usual for this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I'm like, I'm tired of training camp. It was so cool when training camp started and we finally had like daily updates about what all the players were doing and everything. And I'm just, I'm over it. I'm just Let's get some football. I want to see guys hitting guys. I want to see our guys going up against other teams. I, mm, I the, the preseason is going to be awesome for like the first game, maybe 10 minutes of the second game. <laughs> I'm ready for the regular season to start, though. Bring on the Saints. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, last year, week three, I believe it was, against the New Orleans Saints, that was our maiden voyage on no huddle radio our first ever episode was us breaking down the upcoming matchup with the saints and now this week or this this year sorry week one we get to do the saints again pretty exciting this is very a very different saints team this time around not really sure they have a quarterback for starters no neither are they and certainly you know losing a future hall of famer like drew Brees is going to be a big deal not having Michael Thomas, probably for the first part of the season, not going to help them either. So this is a team in transition. Not that they are without talent, but it's been a rough offseason and preseason for them so far. Well, there is a there are a couple of positions that are particularly devoid of talent for them right now. You mentioned Michael Thomas being out. Here are the wide receivers that they have to lean on right now. First of all, Marquez Callaway, who is a second year player, is sounds like from what I'm hearing from the Saints podcast I'm listening to from the notes out of uh, Saints training camp. Sounds like he's wide receiver one right now. Wow. Michael Thomas being out. They also have uh, third year player Deontay Harris, rookie Aesop Winston. I haven't heard of him. I'm guessing he's an undrafted guy. Fourth-year player, Traquan Smith, heard his name a couple times. Here's a familiar face for you, Ty Montgomery. Oh. Jalen McCleskey is there. He's a uh, second-year player. They got fourth-year player, Tommy Lee Lewis. There's another name you might recognize. LeJordan Humphrey. Chris right. Hogan. Chris Hogan's a, a name we know for sure. And uh, Jake Lampman, if I didn't say his name as well. 
Uh, and honorable mention to rookie Kawan Baker. Those are the wide receivers on their roster. This might be the worst running or uh, wide receiver room in the NFL. Uh, maybe the Lions give them a run for their money. But, man, they need Michael Thomas back ASAP. They do, and uh, they're not going to have him most likely for week one, so Green Bay will not have to go up against him. Would it surprise you if some of the players that the Packers don't keep at wide receiver end up in New Orleans? I I think we have so many talented wide receivers on this roster right now that there are easily 10 or 11 guys who could make somebody else's 53. I mean... Not, not, I'm not saying that there are 10 or 11 players who will all end up on other teams. I'm just saying we have 10 or 11 guys, and we're not going to keep 10 or 11 guys. We're going to keep five or six or maybe seven. Right. So you're looking at five or six guys who are going to end up places like New Orleans. Yeah, that, and, and if I'm the Saints and I'm playing Green Bay in week one, I grab someone as soon as they're available uh, to help me prepare. Now, the, the the good thing is that the Saints would be way far down the waiver wire because they did have a uh, uh, you know pretty good season last year. So a, a bunch of other hungry teams like the Lions, I'm sure the Lions are going to snap up at least one wide receiver from the Packers because that's just what they do. It, it would be weird if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. So, yeah, I mean – it's going to be a battle for, you know, the sixth and possibly seventh receiver spot. It looks like the top five are more or less locked in though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, the, the saints are just losing players left and right. They had a cornerback retire a couple of days ago. Uh, their kicker, Will Lutz is going to be out for a while. It's, it's not looking good for him at this point. I'm wondering if Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara are going to be playing all 11 spots on the field plus special teams. Well, Taysom Hill probably could, but uh... he probably could. Yes. Yes. I, I bet you he could play kicker. I would be a little bit surprised if he couldn't. I don't remember if he has. No, I, 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 well, he can punt, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, there, there's not a lot that he can't do, at least in theory, whether he could do it at a pro bowl level is another issue, but, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, I, he's always the one that got away. Not that I think he would have had this amazing role with the Packers, but you, you get the feeling we overlooked him a little bit when we let him go. I think before we end our episode today, you and I should try and pick who we think this, the Saints starting quarterback will be in week one. Is it oh. going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? Because right now it sounds like they have not named a starter. So we, we probably want to pick it before too long before they do go ahead and name a starter. Fair enough. Hey, let's look at the Packers uh, unofficial depth chart that got released. Um. So here's the thing about this depth chart is that it's you that you can't learn everything from where guys are on this depth chart because there are clearly some positions where it's just like seniority. It's just, you know, this guy has been here longer. And so we're going to make him the starter. or We're going to make him second team over this promising rookie. Um, I think that the the backup running back positions are one of the strongest strongest examples of that. But there are still some interesting things here. Now, you know, go, going along the offensive line, there's only uh, only one name that really stands out, and that would be Josh Myers. 
not really surprising that he is listed as the starting center, but it's it's just nice to have confirmation that, yes, even though we have thought all along that he would be, come on, how Packers would it be if they didn't make him the starter? That is totally something they would do. <laughs> well, no, they, they have anointed him as of now. It's his job yeah. to lose, and it'll be, you know, the, the thing about the offensive line that complicates everything, you set up this depth chart, but there are so many guys who fit into so many, more, you know, more than one position. You look at uh, Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner right. and John Runyon and Ben Braden. And all of these guys can play multiple positions. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a little tricky to just say, yeah, OK, that's what we've got uh, because it ain't that simple, you know. Now, I, I have, I think on this podcast before, said that I think Lucas Patrick will get cut because his contract is like the only one that makes sense to try and save some money. Right. I, I think I'm going to retract that because we just have not seen any inkling out of the Packers camp, or, or, or I should say uh, out of, out of you know, Gutekunst and company, that they are interested in trying to save money on, on the cap right now. So... Uh, Lucas Patrick listed on the unofficial depth chart as the starting right guard. Uh, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. I don't really know if he's the starting right guard, but I am retracting my belief that he'll get cut. If, if they're going to cut somebody, you know, to save money, to cut a guy at his tier or so Lucas Patrick by far makes the most sense. Yeah. But I, I'm just, you know, this is a, a different Packers front office this year they are doing everything out of character and I, I think it's safe to say that we can't not really predict what they're going to do this year well I, I think it goes back to the fact that they know they have Aaron Rodgers this year but they don't know beyond that if he'll be back so right. it's it's all in this year so maybe in the past if they knew they had Aaron Rodgers for two three five more years you can make a move like letting Lucas Patrick go but if you're all in for this year and Lucas Patrick gives you a better chance to win this year, I think that that's what they'll do, even if it costs them a few extra dollars on this year's salary cap. This is the last year of Patrick's contract. So he's a free agent after 2021. So it doesn't hurt you long term to keep him this year. And if he if he gives you, you know, that versatility where he could play center left guard or right guard, he's a veteran. He's been there. He started for this team. Uh, I get the feeling they'll keep him around. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. Wide receiver. So obviously wide receiver one is Devonte Adams. Were you surprised to see MVS listed as wide receiver two? A little bit, but I, I think that, you know, he and Alan Lazard are, you know, the, the top candidates for that wide receiver two position. Lazard had it last year until he got injured. MVS is having a strong camp. So that's an encouraging thing. I, I think MVS is the guy they want to win that second receiver position. Now he has to go out and prove he can do it. Well, that makes sense because MVS is clearly more athletically gifted than Lazard is. Lazard has just been the more well-rounded and complete player. By the way, MVS note, we're hearing out of camp 
that he is looking really good. He's making a lot of hands catches, which was something that we noticed kind of late in the year last year. I think it was the second Lions game was the one where we started really talking about that he was making a lot of hands catches, not so much body catches anymore. Yeah, and that's a great sign. The, the, the word out of camp is he's been more consistent and made some spectacular catches. If he can take his game to the next level, make a step up this year, and not just be a one-trick pony with you know catching deep passes, if we can see the MVS that we saw in the NFC Championship game, we're in really good shape at wide receiver. Now, here's something that I did find really interesting, and <laughs> because we were recording this for a Friday episode, bunch of other people has, have beat us to the punch on this one who who do episodes earlier in the week. But uh, the starting lineup on this unofficial depth chart is in 12 personnel, meaning they list a second starting tight end. And so they got Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon. Not any surprise at all that those are the two guys, but it is just kind of fun and different and cool that Matt LaFleur is just committing whole hog to this. He's like, yeah, look, this is my uh, my base offense. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it makes, you know, the most sense because mm-hmm. there there are no fullbacks on this roster. Now, I, I think one of the tight ends may line up as a fullback or an H-back on a lot of right. occasions, but with no— and By the way, that, that would be DeGuara if he can stay healthy. Man, we're recording this Thursday night. And he tore it up. He was making some beautiful catches in camp, looking phenomenal. And Matt LaFleur just had nothing to say except just gushing over how awesome DeGuar is. Yeah, which he was doing from the minute they drafted him. So uh, I, I get the feeling if DeGuara, uh comes in, stays healthy, and even comes close to living up to expectations, Matt LaFleur will find a variety of ways to incorporate him into the offense. By the way, Jace is looking a lot better as well. Yeah, and Jace has to because Jace is, uh, you know, at a crossroads right now. So I'm encouraged to see him looking better. And and I know that the ability, the pure physical ability is there. He's just got to be more consistent and overcome the fact that he's got to miss the first two games this year. If if Jace can put it together, man, that. He is far and away the most athletically gifted tight end we have. Not even close. The dude is a a superhero stud from a physical standpoint. If he could put it together and be, you know, if if he could uh, take what is going on in Tunyon's head and (laughs) and replicate that, he'd be unstoppable. He'd be be Gronk. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. All right, uh, Billy Turner starting right tackle. Not surprising there. I don't know if Dennis Kelly is going to beat him out for right tackle. Starting to feel a little bit less hopeful in that front. We're not really seeing that happen in practice. Maybe, but it, it's starting to look like no. Like Dennis Kelly's more going to play that Rick Wagner swing tackle role that we saw last year. But, you know, uh, he and LaFleur both kind of said that they're just, you know, trying to figure out what, what the plan is there. Yeah, I mean, look, give the guy a little chance to learn the playbook. You know, he he may eventually take over. I don't think he will. I think he will be the Rick Wagner 2.0. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's what has he been here for, 10 days? I mean, uh, ba- <laughs> basically, you got to give him a chance to learn the playbook, uh, acclimate himself into the system, learn. You know, the one thing about offensive linemen, there is a certain value to continuity on that O-line. So... As far as I'm concerned, you know, he'll, he may need a little bit more time before they could see what he really is capable of doing uh, with this offense. Hey, 
well, let's let's switch over to defense for a second here. Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes, these are the uh, linebackers one and two. Uh, not surprising that there. That's that's what we've heard is our our starting one linebackers. And Oren Burks, Ty Summers, those are the twos. Uh, sounds like that's kind of what we're seeing in, in camp as well. Um, I you know I we we have spent enough time on this podcast talking about Oren Burks and Ty Summers. We don't need to keep talking about them. I don't. I I feel like we have not seen like anything from Isaiah McDuffie in training camp. He's been you know invisible. Well, he was injured, so he he, was. he he didn't start the season or didn't start training camp with everyone else. To me, the big surprise on this depth chart is that Kamal Martin has dropped all the way to the three uh, spot on one of the inside yeah. linebacker spots. Uh, he's been hurt. He has been a bit of a disappointment so far in training camp when he wasn't hurt. And, you know, it's it's a little bit surprising to see Kamal Martin behind Ty Summers and Oren Burks. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, at, at outside linebacker, he, you know, he still is an inside linebacker, but we had heard that he was going to, you know, be working with the outside linebackers. Uh, I, I think that there's a chance that he could flourish out there. You know, it's, it's a different, different type of role, maybe something that, that fits his skill set a little bit better. I, I think the, at this point, he's looking like he's going to need to maybe earn his way back onto the defense by playing really well on special teams, which is really disappointing because we had such high hopes for him last year, and he is a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see a repeat of the Oren Burks situation where the guy looks so good in, in his rookie training camp, you know, gets hurt, and then is never really able to get back to that level. So I'm hoping that is not going to be the case with Kamal Martin. But, uh, you know, look, it's early. There's still three preseason games to go. If he can get healthy, maybe we could see a little bit more from him. Here was something else that surprised me. Vernon Scott on the third string uh, for the safeties. So your starters, obviously, Amos and Savage. Your second stringers, Redmond and Black. Vernon Scott all the way down there with the threes just ahead of Christian Uphoff and Innes Gaines bring up the rear. Yeah, that is a little bit of a surprise. But uh, again, you know, a lot of this is is based on experience. Uh, and we mm-hmm. see we see that in a number of places on this depth chart where guys who we all think should be ahead of some of the returning guys are behind them on the depth chart because of experience. Question for you. Do we think right now that Jonathan Garvin is kind of a lock for outside linebacker four with Randy Ramsey out. I'd say he's the prohibitive favorite. I don't know about lock defensive end. You got uh, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Willington Prevalon in that order. Nose tackle, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Josh Avery, your other defensive end, your starting guy, Kingsley Kiki. Really nice to see. Then uh, Jack Heflin there on the second string uh, for the uh, defensive end. Like to see that for him. Uh, I haven't heard a ton of him out of camp, but nice to see that he's turning some heads for the coaches and and made that second string defense. Absolutely, and and we'll keep an eye on that as it goes forward. All right, we got to talk about running back here. And listen, I, I have spent a lot of time on this podcast over the last month talking about Kylan Hill and my misgivings there. But listen, we heard from somebody who is a a very uh, seasoned expert, very well-respected expert 
on this team, and that would be head coach Matt LaFleur, whose actions always speak louder than his words. He was giving Kylan Hill snaps with the ones on offense when Aaron Jones was out with uh, with a you know little bit of tightness or, or I forget what he had. Something was keeping him off the field, and Kylan Hill was getting snaps in his absence. That speaks volumes that he – now, on the unofficial depth chart, he's listed dead last out of the running backs, but, I mean, he is the newest guy to the room. I, I think this is a seniority thing. Yep. I can't imagine he's behind Dexter Williams. Kylan Hill getting snaps uh, with the ones. To me, that is exciting because you remember full well my biggest um, – uh, misgiving I had about him was pass pro- uh, pass protection. Matt LaFleur is not going to give him snaps out there with ones if if he has not earned some of the coach's trust. So that is exciting. Kylan Hill stock rising. Patrick Taylor still listed as the third running back on this unofficial depth chart. Seems right. It seems to me that it's a a uh, head to head two way race between Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill at this point. And I would say Patrick Taylor probably is still the more well-rounded of the two, but no question that out of those three depth guys, we we've all known that Kylan Hill has the highest ceiling athletically. And, you know, just looking at what he was able to do in college and, and Patrick Taylor was a very good running back in college, but you know, he has not played since 2019. We will have to see what he, what he even has. You know, it would be nice to see, him in this these preseason games, him and Kylan Hill, and, and get a, a look at those two guys for ourselves. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That battle for RB3, I think, is going to go down to the wire, and it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, here's a, a little nod in Kylan Hill's direction. Starting kick returner, Kylan Hill. That yeah. is very telling, very telling. Yeah, and, and if, you know, that's a situation where that could be a big difference maker as to who gets that last roster spot or it could lead them to keep four running backs if Hill has to, to be one of the one of the three you know if he's not one of the three he may make the roster as the return specialist and they'll keep four let me ask you a question would you rather keep six wide receivers and three running backs or five wide receivers and four running backs six and three Here, here, here's something to think about. Aaron Jones misses a lot of time due to injury. Yep. Kylan Hill is kind of a good Aaron Jones replacement. If, if you believe that he can hold up in pass pro, we know that he was a pretty decent receiver in college. I could see him being an Aaron Jones replacement. Patrick Taylor is kind of more of a Jamal Williams <laughs> replacement. So it, it would be nice to have three different styles of running back out there, but it also would be nice to have a backup Aaron Jones since Aaron Jones is frequently gone. Yeah, it would be. I just don't know how you could cut that many receivers and go with five. If they didn't get Randall Cobb, I would be more willing to accept yeah. the, the the five wide receivers as opposed to six. Yeah, Cobb, Cobb complicates things. Maybe you just have to... Maybe if you are Gutekunst and Lafleur, you have to look at it as like, 
<laughs> okay, Cobb is here because of uh, of Rogers. You know, maybe Cobb is just like uh, you know honorary QB three in our <laughs> minds when we're putting this together. I'm I'm kidding, of course, but uh, it it is interesting. Uh, Randall Cobb is featured on this list twice, both as the uh, second wide receiver behind MVS and as the backup uh, punt returner. Yep. Yeah, and that'll be uh, you know behind Amari Rogers, who I'm sure he's going to mentor as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else that stood out to you on this depth chart? Uh boy. You know, I think the other thing was uh, Henry Black, which you mentioned. Uh, and, and then still that KB on Ento was listed below Josh Jackson. I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, now the knock on KB on Ento, of course, is his size. He just has always been a little bit lacking there, and it has resulted in some injuries. So I, I, I think that is a bit of a knock on him. And, and also, you know, just keep in mind, we have at least one other position on this roster that we really believe is clearly dictated by seniority as opposed to the actual depth chart. So maybe Ento actually is ahead of Josh Jackson. I'm not hearing anything awesome about Josh Jackson at a training camp to make me believe he's anything other than he always has been, which is cheap labor. Well, I, I mean, I think at this point, you know, if he doesn't show something more in training camp, this may be the end of the line for him in Green Bay. Hey, let's give a shout out to friend of the show, Mr. Jersey Al, a, the, the guy who uh, made this show all possible. You and I were talking before the show, kicking around and going, you know, really need to uh, give him a shout out and get more people following him because he's an awesome follow on Twitter, uh, very insightful guy and a good dude, and he, he deserves a bigger audience, and we wanted to uh, give him a shout out for that. Absolutely, and uh, thanks to Al. that You know, Al put us together, so uh, that's did. A, always a plus, and uh, you know, he's great uh, over at Cheesehead TV, definitely worth a, a read. Uh for his stuff and uh you know thanks thanks al gotta gotta always say thank you to al yep so if you're listening to this podcast you probably have heard or at least seen episodes for cheesehead radio and you can find al on twitter at jersey al gbp now i had heard of you before we we met through al we you and i had never talked before but i was in like a dozen facebook packers groups and I was getting notifications all the time. Gil Martin posted an article to this group. Gil right. Martin posted an article. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, does this guy ever sleep? All he does is write articles. And so I I, I read some of them, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, he's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, yeah, just uh, trying to get the word out, you know. All right. You and I have texted a couple times this week, actually, about the Saints quarterbacks. And I, I think I think we both know where each other roughly stands on which quarterback we think is going to be starting week one. And we do disagree. So I think I think it will be fun to make cases as for why we think one guy or the other will be the starting quarterback. OK, I'll let you go first. Uh, I, I got to go with Jameis Winston. I think that he is the better pure passer that if you're talking about taking over for Drew Brees, you want to have someone who can, uh, you know, complete all the passes. And and then you have Taysom Hill as your gadget guy who can come in like he had been has been doing for the past few years, 
run a series or a few plays or be on the field with Jameis Winston and really confuse, you know, defenses as to what might happen. But to me, as a pure quarterback, as a pure passer, you got to go with famous Jameis. I mean, look, didn't he lead the league in yards passing he just did. two he years did. ago, you know, 2019? So, uh, yeah, he also led the league in interceptions. I'm not going to sit here and <laughs> say he was, uh, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback kind of a guy, but he he is a proven uh, starting caliber NFL quarterback. And that's more than I could say about Taysom Hill, who has started only a handful of games in his career. I think he won two out of the three last year that he started. But to me, Jameis Winston is the better choice. I am going to offer a response. But first, we have some breaking news that is very sad. Packers just waived Randy Ramsey. Wow. Waved him with an injury designation. Okay. Stinks because because he was a really good player and uh, a guy who always seemed like if he could stay healthy and stay on the field that he was going to really make a difference. But yeah, sounds like he is out. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I like the kid and, and, you know, who knows if he can get healthy again for training camp next year, maybe they or even sooner, maybe they bring him back. But, uh, you know, kind of a a sad moment for him and, and I wish him well. All right, so on to the Taysom Hill thing. And I I, I am rather well known for not being the biggest fan of Taysom Hill and for autoplay ads on on websites. Did you just hear that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <clears throat> it was like, where, where's this video coming from? <laughs> I'm not the biggest believer in Taysom Hill. Never have been. Um Sean Payton seems to have a, just a lot of trust for Taysom Hill. I am not predicting Taysom because I think it's the correct choice. I, if, if it were up to me, I would be starting Jameis Winston and it really would not, I wouldn't lose any sleep at all over it. Taysom Hill though, seems to be getting the majority of snaps in training camp with the ones, not like a large majority, but a majority and I've seen a couple places where uh, Vegas thinks that Taysom Hill is going to be the starter as well. And, you know, that that, that just that carries some weight. They they tend to when, when you got money riding on it, you tend to not take these th- these decisions real lightly when you're trying to make prediction. I just, you know, he, I, I, th- I think that uh, Sean Payton really trusts that Hill is going to do what he's told and execute the play how Peyton calls it. And I I don't, for all of his raw talents, I don't think that that is something that has ever been a factor with Jameis Winston. You know, you were always banking on his upside and it frustrated the heck out of Bruce Arians. Sean Payton is a guy who I think has even less patience than Bruce Arians does, if that's possible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look, look, I, I have been laughing at Sean Payton for basically three years now for all of the praise that he heaps on Taysom Hill all the time. I just I I'm, I'm trying to make my prediction about what Payton will do and what I think he will do is give the bulk of the starting quarterback snaps to Taysom Hill. And again, that's not what I would do, but Sean Payton 
has won considerably more football games than I have, and he's won a lot of them with Taysom Hill. Well, look, that's a bold prediction. I, I see where you're going with the analysis, but I think at the end of the day, Taysom Hill is a lot more unorthodox. And, you know, maybe that's what maybe that's what the coaching staff wants in New Orleans. You know, uh, maybe Sean Payton wants to, you know, sacrifice a little bit of that passing offense uh, in pure talent to keep teams off balance, because, as we said, he doesn't have that great receiver right now. But to me, the better choice is Jameis Winston. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day, you'll get more reps for Jameis than you would for uh, for Taysom Hill. All right. I, I feel like I have to make my case a little bit stronger, so I'm going to. First of all, <laughs> now the Saints website is useless because they still list Drew Brees as their starter. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have something else that's interesting there, which is just the reminder that last year, QB2 was Taysom Hill definitively. Jameis Winston was third on the official depth chart last year. Also, our lads is listing... Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback quarterback with Jameis Winston as the backup. And look, you know, our lads is not the Bible, but they're right more often than they're wrong. Well, we'll see if they're right about this. I, I, you know, that that's their hunch. That's their uh, belief. But uh, I, I think when push comes to shove, you go with the guy who can make your offense work the best. And that would be Jameis Winston. All right. Well, Mr. Gil Martin, you have my vote for head coach. I, I, I will happily uh, go along with your plan, but it is Sean Payton's plan that we're trying to predict. And so I'm sticking with Taysom Hill and we want our listeners to weigh in on this discussion. We're going to post a poll on Twitter. You can vote. It's going to be at JJ Leahy on Twitter. You can also go to at Gil Packers. He's also going to post the poll up there and uh, weigh in. Who do you think is going to be the starter? And you can't say Drew Brees. So, no, no funny business here. But the depth chart says Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Again, that's at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not